Hi there, and welcome to Fantasy Focus Baseball. It's a beautiful Tuesday afternoon, November 9th, 2021 is the date. He is Tristan H. Cockroft. The H stands for happy. He's so awesome at fantasy baseball. He has already won his 2022 leagues. Meanwhile, Kyle Sapi produces and researches. He is awesome. He guards our galaxy. I'm Eric Carabell. I still work here. Fantasy Focus Baseball is presented by LinkedIn Jobs. On today's fine show, we have a World Series champion. We shall discuss fantasy ramifications from the postseason and other recent news. Also, Tristan's 2022 rankings are already published. That's how efficient he is. They're posted. We're going to rip those things apart. And we have trivia and hash browns. Tristan, how are you today? Nice to see you smile. What's going on? Oh, I'm doing well. Got to love in a, the middle of a wacky football season. We get to talk about baseball. It's awesome. And not only that, you said the magic words, and I love the optimism. You said that if I've won my 2022 leagues already, that means I've got leagues. That's awesome. Yay. I love the good news. <laughs> there will be leagues. Yes. What's this football thing you speak of? I'm dealing with Jalen Suggs and his shooting percentage. Um, <laughs> yes. Basketball player, by the way. Um, all right. Let's get right to it. And uh, the World Series is over. And uh, congrats to Freddie Freeman's team for winning it all. I like Freeman. And at some point, I just root for players. He's a great player, and he seems like a great human being, and one can never be too sure these days, you know. So um, I'm, I'm happy for Freddie Freeman. You know what? I, it hurts that my Phillies haven't made the playoffs like since the Reagan administration, but two of our supposed rivals in the division have won the World Series in the past three seasons. But good for Freddie Freeman. Good for Ryan Zimmerman. How would you feel if your rival, if like Boston, you're a Yankees fan, if Boston won, Tampa Bay to some degree is a rival, uh, but like, would you have rooted for Boston? No, you wouldn't have. Um, so, you know, no. I was like, are you kidding to stay me? Out of it. Yeah, you know. But then uh, there's the other team and what they did. So, I just watched basketball. Um, but I will ask you this: Did we learn anything from the World Series or the playoffs? It's a long month um, if for pitchers, and we have seen in the past where pitchers that get pushed into the last week of October, Patrick Corbin, sometimes don't rebound the next season or ever. So Framber Valdez, who looked awful in the final game, or Luis Garcia, who looked tired six weeks ago, or Ian Anderson. Do you adjust your rankings for pitchers that pitched in the World Series? I I don't, but I, I think it's a valid question. Uh, I, I feel like the playoffs did show, and especially with the uh, – minimalizing of workloads for starting pitchers during this postseason. We saw record low numbers for that, that the fatigue from playing a full year off a pandemic was apparent. I don't know how that's going to play out in 22, 22. I really don't. I mean, assuming we get 162 full games and postseason, I think that we're going to see pitchers gain a little bit more in terms of stamina than they had this year, but I don't think we're ever going back to what it was in the past. Um, I think my big takeaway from the postseason was nothing more than the piecing together of your pitching staff works only to a certain degree, and the great equalizer is extra things. So I am not sure the teams can go into next year assuming that you can Tampa Bay raise it for the whole year. It it didn't work. They got worn out by those extra inning games in Boston. And I wonder whether that causes some teams to build up pitching depth. Kind of like what Sandy, remember when we were talking about the San Diego Padres during spring training and the fact that they had all those starting pitchers and they were going to go with six, seven guys. They wanted depth. I wonder whether teams are going to attempt to do things like that. I mean, we'll talk about the uh, Dodgers signing, I'm sure, on the show where I think they were taking that sort of approach. 
Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. I mean, the next Robbie Ray signed with the Dodgers. <laughs> we'll we'll discuss no. that. No, nope. um, <laughs> I'll say this. It's I think fantasy managers tend to overrate what happens in the playoffs to some degree. Eddie Rosario will get drafted in leagues next season higher than he should. Jorge Soler, who was the World Series MVP, the, these guys will find jobs. And I do think that somebody in your league, and maybe deservingly so, Soler hit 48 home runs a couple of years ago. So I think when these guys find jobs on teams, um, they will get over it a little bit. And to the same degree, some somebody's going to be sitting there in round 12 saying, well, Framber Valdez was terrible in the World Series. I don't want him. And that's going to be over overrating that situation as well. So Sterling I, Hitchcock factor. Yeah, to some degree. It's just like, but when young arms throw that many innings, and we've never had a situation like this before because of the two-month two month pandemic season, I do worry about Luis Garcia next year. I don't think he's approaching 200 innings or Fran Valdez. No. And, and Houston actually seems to have a lot of rotation depth there. So I don't know, man. I might be fading these guys a little bit. Ian Anderson, I like him, but is he a strikeout guy? And then he had a throw in the last week of October. So it, it has to affect them to some degree. I don't want to overrate it. I don't think it ruined Kershaw's career. We'll get to him in a second. But Clayton Kershaw pitched mm-hmm. really late in 2020, and then 2021 he couldn't stay healthy. Maybe it had nothing to do with it. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. So something to think about there. I mean, Solaire, that was quite a World Series for Jorge Solaire. And, you know, yes. that, that team's getting a lot of credit for buying a whole new outfield at the trade deadline. They didn't trade anything away to get those guys. You know, they, they didn't trade for top 10 outfielders there. They had to replace their entire outfield. And they did a nice job of it. They got four guys in there, including those three I mentioned, Duval, Jock Peterson, and a couple of them hit. That's what the playoffs are in baseball or even in simulation baseball. The best team doesn't always win. It's whoever got hot, <laughs> you know, and and Eddie Rosario got hot all of a sudden. He's not a bad player. But, yeah. but I, I mean, in, in defense of what Atlanta did, though, they did underscore the importance of roster depth. This was something that I railed on with the New York Yankees during the zeros, the aughts, whatever you want to call that decade, is the Yankees didn't care at all about what the bench was. And it it did matter in this particular offseason, or in this particular postseason. I, I do think it mattered that there's no designated hitter in the National League. I think that having a bench is a lot more important there, and that's why they were taking that approach. And maybe in the American League, not so much. And if we have the DH in both leagues, then that's a whole different story. And by the way, you mentioned Solaire. Very underrated player very underrated power. And if there's a universal DH that coupled with the postseason performance could also serve to elevate his stock a little bit, because that's what he is a natural DH. That's going to give him 15 more teams with which to land. Well, in Philadelphia, he'd be the starting center fielder. I, I do think that, um, <laughs> could you imagine? You oh, God. I can't imagine. Would I don't think we care about defense. And the scary part is even with the defense, that would be an upgrade on the position. If you take the whole package of the player, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know that we're going to overspend on Nick Castellanos and assume he's a good outfielder when he's a terrible outfielder, but whatever. Oh, Look, I will legitimately, legitimately be angry if there's not a universal DH. I really will. Yeah. Pitchers can't hit. Were they bat 110 this season? They can't oh hit the baseball. Yeah. So we have a sim league where the DH may or may not be. I might leave the league. If if, we, if pitchers have to hit again, I'm going to be angry. Pitchers are going to hit again. Pitchers are going to hit again. They're, 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 there's enough baseball traditionalists out there. I've kind of read the, the grapevines. It's bad for baseball. Things. It's bad for baseball. It's, but you know what? It's it's not just about the 110 of, of pitchers, like the, the, what pitchers did so far. Because 
you get pinch hitters into the game. The problem is with the roster construction, the way it is in baseball today, you are increasing the chances that a relief pitcher is batting in a key spot. And that's the other thing too, is if we go back to the previous approach to extra innings, get rid of that runner on second, et cetera, et cetera, you're going to see relief pitchers batting. We're going to fall into that. And that is not good for baseball. I think I don't that is even worse than the starter pitch. No pitcher more batting. pitchers batting. Universal DH has to happen. Mm-hmm. Let's get to some other players here, and we'll go through as many names as we can in the news. First of all, Buster Posey, the great San Francisco Giants catcher, who I will vote for the Hall of Fame when I get my vote. He um, He retires, and I looked at your rankings, and we'll get to your rankings later, but Joey Bort you have as a number 38 catcher, and I thought, that's odd because I'm considering Joey Bart as a top, almost top 10 catcher. So what's the dip, big difference here? Why, why do I love this guy so much and think he'll hit and think he'll play and you've got him just nowhere on the board or, or are you going to update that? I'm just curious if you like Joey Bart or not. I do. The concern that I have was that he looked way overmatched in his first taste of the majors. And I just wonder with the loss of the minor league season that year in 2020 and the fact that he came back this year at a decent year in AAA, still missed a lot. I mean, near 30% strikeout rate, whether there's going to be some inconsistency with him. And what I wonder for the Giants is that do they do some sort of tandem thing to ease him into the majors? This is actually a very critical year for Joey Bart's Career development, I think, because they also have got other uh, uh, Patrick Bailey. They've got yeah. also uh, you know another catching prospect who's coming up. They're going to need to make a decision on those two players at some point. So Bart's got to step up. But I want to see him prove it to me in spring training first. All right. Interesting. In an ESPN one catcher league, I might consider Bart as like a last round pick as, as my sure. catcher. And sure. if, if he's not in the majors in mid-April or he's not hitting, then I'll just move on to somebody like Mike Zanino or whoever who's nobody's going to draft because – to me, spending on a catcher, you know, I'm not the one taking Sal Perez around six or JT Real Muto around seven. I'm the one waiting. Tyler Stevenson is Cincinnati starting catcher. They traded Tucker Barnhart to Detroit. The Reds are getting rid of all their payroll. Luis Castillo, Castillo is next to be traded. Good for them if they don't want to spend money. But to me, Tyler Stevenson has a last round pick or Carson Kelly or Mitch Garver. I'll go for that uh, that strategy there. Um, we'll get to catchers, obviously, a lot more in the offseason and in the spring training. Uh, I want to ask you about Alex Bregman. He had wrist surgery on his right wrist. Um, it was pretty clear he was not the same player in October yeah. that we expected or even from years ago. Great play discipline, couldn't drive the ball. Now we know why his wrist was hurt. It affects all of us at the plate, including me. But I want to ask you about Bregman. Like, you rank him 35. That's either going to be – he's either going to be like 25 or 225 to me. Like, I don't know what to make of Alex Bregman. Yeah, and I'm leaning towards more that he can stay healthy for a full year. And if that's the case, it's still an excellent lineup. And he's got some of the best runs RBI support, therefore, of anybody out there. Um, The problem I've had with Bregman for years is he's had that one year where he had all those home runs and they were awfully fluky. If you check the underlying metrics, he was probably five, six homers over where he should have been. So as long as you're not expecting a return to 40 home runs, I'm on board with that solid 285, 30, 100 in the bank. Yeah, not a base stealer, so that's something to keep in mind as well. But we know what the injury was, and we assume he'll be f- fine for next season. We don't but, have the update know, not, on the on the recovery time yet, I don't think, do we? Let's say not this morning. I mean, it's November. I mean, I assume he'll be ready in February. But, yeah, it, it could, could take more than three months. I, I mean, Anthony Rendon had surgery. He should be ready for spring training. There's a reason why great players struggled in most cases. It's like mm-hmm. Mike Lowell's syndrome from way, way back. We couldn't figure out why he had such a terrible year. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden we found out why 
He had surgery. He was hurt. He was compromised. Um, what else happened? All right, let's get to it. Um, Kershaw, no qualifying offer, did not pitch in the postseason uh, or in the World Series or, you know, as they got later in the in the postseason. And he, he could be a free agent. What do you do with him? Where did you rank him? I'm going to look now and see because, like, what's your confidence 14th, level here? I think. So um, that's, you have him 22 among starting pitchers. Okay. And yeah. which seems fair. Um, you've got, wow, you've got Alec Manoa, Toronto ahead of him. Yeah. Um, which also is very interesting. So I think that's kind of an, an interesting thing on Kershaw. We expect to, if he pitches 28 times, he, he could be a top 10 starting pitcher, but we don't expect he's going to pitch 30 times. The downside is he doesn't pitch at all. What do you do with him? Like you have him in a dynasty format. What do you do with Clayton? If he leaves the Dodgers, I don't like him as much. I don't care where he goes. I would agree with that. I'm concerned about him leaving because almost every other likely destination is a slight downgrade park and support wise. Um, I, I love that you brought up the Manoa thing in the ranks because they contrast kind of nicely. There's to me a little bit of a worry about innings and workload concerns that they are not going to get to 200 innings, but that there can be electric stuff when they are on. The issue I have is that Manoa could, he might well be great for six months and Kershaw's he'll probably give you three great months if things go well. And then he'll have a month where he's completely absent and maybe he'll have a month where he's unreliable. That's, that's what really gets me about him. I'm not entirely sure how to rank guys like this, this year. We, I don't think I remember a year where the pitchers in the 20 to 25 range were those who I could give you 145 great trustworthy innings. And I'm really not sure what is going to happen outside of that. Kershaw falls into that for me. Well, the Dodgers clearly don't need him back because they signed Andrew Heaney, a fellow left. Oh, look, there goes another home run. Um, uh, he gets eight landing in the cornfield. Yep. Amazing. Yeah. Um, but, but in seriousness here, don't we have to evaluate this signing a little bit differently because it is the Dodgers when the Dodgers and the Rays do something, a trade, a signing, whatever it is. Don't we look at that and say, Oh, that's maybe I hadn't thought about this. And I looked up Heaney's numbers. I mean, he has good stuff. It's a very high strikeout rate. Walks were, were low. His ERA does not match his expected ERA yep. at all. I mean, he was That's actually wide. a pitcher. Yeah. It's all home runs. You put him in a pitcher's park, give him some good teaching. Why can't I'm not saying Andrew Heaney's going to be next year's Robbie Ray, but why can't Andrew Heaney be effective? Because early in his early Angels days, we thought he'd be a you know a top 40 starting pitcher. Why can't he be that? Yeah, I mean, he, he could be the Robbie Ray in that if he takes the approach to his offseason that Robbie Ray did and then his approach into spring training that Robbie Ray did, perhaps he gets his career back on track. couple of differences, however. He just he doesn't have a year like Robbie Ray did. He's not as hard a thrower with as lightning a breaking pitch as Robbie Ray has. And the other issue I have with leaning on the metrics, and you're right, it's it was a run and three-quarters difference between the expected ERA and the true ERA is he's an extreme fly baller, non-elite stuff, I would say. Good, non-elite. And he also struggles a little bit when he pitches out of the stretch, which you remember, we've talked about these guys for years, the whole Dave Bush idea, that I think it's about 45 points in OPS worse when he's pitching out of the stretch, which means he's losing a little bit off the stuff that's kind of questionable for me in the first place. Maybe the Dodgers get him back on track, but I think you're looking at a pitcher who's 4 to 425 ERA in L.A., matchup susceptible you're avoiding all the cores games any of the ones against the loaded lineups but you like all the rest of them and when i'm extracting those stats that's to me not a top 40 guy even on the high end oh i'm not saying i'm ranking him in the top 40 i'm saying there's potential for that though and i think we're going to be discussing him in may assuming we have a show 
that, hey, this guy looks okay in his home starts. And, you know, there's, like Wade Miley just got dumped by the Reds, picked up by the Cubs. Wade Miley had a good season. Ear rate in his threes. Strikeout rate was fine. He won games. And, you know, the Cubs shouldn't be good. I mean, Andrew Heaney was supposed to be, I think, a guy we looked at for 12 to 15 wins, a strikeout per inning starting pitcher. He has more strikeouts than yes. he's in his career. Like yes. we're wasting a lot of time on one guy here who had a five eight three array, but there's there's something here. There's definitely it's something strategically here. important, and I'm glad that you brought up Wade Miley because what does Wade Miley mean to you in the ESPN standard? Because to me, he is a lot more important in the NL only. the 15 plus yes. team mix. Uh, roto roto based exactly that and you know and, i'm a streamer i look at you could throw any player rate or final number ranking number target number out there i think that number is completely irrelevant with this style of player because you are extracting the value and you're not having them in every time it's very hard to put a specific number on that pitcher um so no big free agents are going to sign anytime soon they're going to get their money carlos correa um uh the shortstop for seager for the dodgers mm-hmm. he's going to go somewhere to play third second short castellanos will get his money michael conforto is not going back to the mets i don't think he'll get lots of money uh, any early thoughts here the shortstops obviously trevor story javier baez there's a lot of guys out there your team needs a shortstop my team could use a shortstop Every team almost could use a shortstop. Houston needs a shortstop if they don't get Correa back. Your thoughts on how this may affect fantasy? Uh, the shortstop market is the big story. Five out of my top 12 shortstops in my rankings uh, are free agents. And as you mentioned, a lot of the big markets are going to be in on these players. And by the way, I mean, I I, I think the, the sleeper team I threw for Her- Herman Marquez was the Tigers. I think the Tigers are going to be on the shortstop market. I look at that team and I think it's underrated. You mentioned Barnhart. That was a pretty good beneath-the-radar pickup for them. That team might start making some pushes, and that's a position that they could definitely address. Uh, whoever the Yankees get is going to be very important here because I do think the Yankees are going to get somebody. What happens to Glaber Torres? How do they structure their infield defense? Where does DJ LeMahieu go, and how does that impact first base? That's going to have some wide fantasy ramifications, I think, as well as the ballpark for whoever the individual is who lands there. The Yankees have to sign somebody. They simply do. Does Toronto let Simeon go and ultimately not replace him? That could downgrade the offense a little bit more than I think people are planning for for next season. That's something to keep in mind from the runs and RBI perspective as well. So just Watch that one. And how much does Trevor Story's departure from Coors Field influence his numbers? You and I talk about that a lot. Where he winds up will have some say in that. Did Arenado do what you thought he would do in St. Louis? He did a little bit better than I was expecting. It was in the ballpark. I think, I think it was a little bit better. Batting average was a little bit worse than I was expecting. Yes. I thought he could still be a 275, 285 hitter. You know, you mentioned the Tigers. That's a lot of good young starting pitching. Torkelson probably at first, maybe at third. Um, they get themselves a shortstop, some power bats. Barnhart's I think they're a shortstop first. and potentially a, you know, like a, a a solid center fielder away from being a pretty legit, money. make a pretty legit push. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. Uh, hopefully the free agents sign. Hopefully the game is fine and all that. Um, where are we in time? Let's move on now. All right, let's look at your rankings here. And let me ask you, um, in a general sense, is there anything that you did in your rankings for 2022 differently than you say you did for 2021? Did you look at starting pitchers in relation to hitters differently? Any, any offensive positions that you ranked higher than normal? Are you heavy on bats at the top? Uh, relievers, you know, Josh Hader was just a one inning guy that affects his value. Overall thoughts on your rankings. Cause you're the only one, one of us who's done them so far. Uh, 
pitching was the big difference beyond what I just mentioned about the style of pitcher, the finesse and streamer type guy being difficult to put a final number on uh, relievers. I went very heavily on strikeout rates. I, I don't think I've ever gone into an off season with more uncertainty in my mind as to who my predicted closers are on opening day than this one. It feels like every year I get further away from knowing who those players are going to be. Uh, I went very much feel on starting pitching after about 20 or so where we had Manoa. Manoa is really where that line starts. It's Chris Sale, Aaron Nola, and Alec Manoa. One, two, three there. Finishing out my t- – actually going to, to 1920 and 21, and Manoa begins that I'm going by feel. How do I feel about this guy here rather than exactly what do the numbers tell me? I mean, i got to move down Carlos Rodon. I'm starting to question whether Carlos Rodon has the durability at 24 to be there. So it tells you how often and where likely – points in my rankings are going to be fluid is that that spot 20 to 50 among starting pitchers uh let's do a lightning round here as i just go through your rankings and you can be mm-hmm. brief in your responses number one pick did you think about it a lot um did you did it keep you up at night you went with juan soto but you could have gone with any of three or four names <laughs> rankings rarely keep me up at night anymore but i like the phrase because yeah it kind of did in the metaphoric sense i I'm really tempted to, after we're done taping this, put Trey Turner back at number one, just because it's the safe, easy play. And I just wanted to go with Juan Soto, who I just think is amazing. And I, I, my first round pick at the end, I decided I'm not going with the risky guy at number one. I'm going with a guy who has a high floor, who I know is going to return a top 25 investment, even if he's not the number one player at a player. I kind of agree. I think Juan Soto is the best hitter in baseball, but I don't, I don't know if he's the best fantasy option in baseball, but he is safe. Are those the two? Now, for you, are those the two, or is it somebody else? Because there will be a lot of people on the front of the Tatis. is not having shoulder surgery, and doesn't that scare you? It has to scare you. It terrifies me, and yet I think he's better than all of these other players in the first round, and I don't hesitate to say that. He is a better player. In conversations with you over the past six months— I got the sense you didn't think that Shohei Otani could do what he did in 2021 ever again, yet you ranked him number five. So you must be confident he's going to do this again. Yes, and part of that is our game and the categorical component, which is what the rankings are for, maximizes Shohei Otani's value. I'd argue that he should be my number one pick based on the style of play if I believed he was anywhere close to last year's production. He was the number one player in that game this year, easily i don't care what the player writer says because i don't think it counted appropriately the way of using the starting pitching but i actually think he comes within 85 90 percent of last year i really do i think he's within 85 to 90 percent of his production from last year they were pretty reasonable with him pitching wise and i'm more worried about his pitching health and durability than anything mike trout at 13 i won't do that how many games do you think he plays in how many stolen bases do you think he has i have a tough time saying i would take mike trout over Luis Robert, Manny Machado, Devers. I feel that these guys are safer. I, I realize Robert missed a lot of the season, but going forward, he's a lot younger. Mike Trout at 13. Can you justify that? I can because you mentioned that wide swing in the outcomes. High end, he's the number five overall player, maybe four. And low end, he's, well, we won't get into that because it means a long absence. I'd say that the right projection is 120, 125 games. I think he steals five, six bases. But I told you on the show before, I think Mike Trout is going to have an amazing year in one of these next few. And we're just really not going to be able to predict when it is. So if that's true, 
I don't want to be putting him at 40 and have this be the one with what all the past five, six years production when he was healthy tells me. I don't want to be the one who does that. Uh, Jake DeGrom, Shane Bieber, you mentioned Chris Sale and Kershaw. There's a lot of high-end starting pitchers mm-hmm. that we may, you know, got not get more than 20 starts out of. You yeah. can make a case DeGrom's like Mike Trout. Could be the number one player or could miss half the season. What do you do with these starting pitchers? I have a hunch that DeGrom will not be on a single one of my fantasy teams this year. I think that yeah, price- you ranked him 23rd overall. I, I don't think I, I will do him. that. I don't think I don't think I have a prayer of getting him at where I put him in the rankings. And that's part of the part of the design. I he is an amazing pitcher. I'm probably more scared about him injury wise than I am Fernando Tatis. Uh, Wander Franco made your top 50. Do you think he'll be good enough in a fantasy sense? We know in real life he's great. He's probably going to win the AL Rookie of the Year despite playing, you know, not even half a season. Is he really a top 50 talent for fantasies, power, stolen bases, everything else? Yeah, I, I think he is because of the approach to the plate and he's got speed. He could fill stolen bases and bat 290 with relative ease and he just gets on base like crazy. And on a team that's competitive, he's going to score runs therefore. So, I, I think the floor is a top 50 player. I think he's an amazing guy. And as a matter of fact, he might make that jump forward like Soto and Acuna did in that first full year in the majors. He might. Uh, you have a relief pitcher in your top 50. I don't know what is wrong with you, but how do you justify I'm any smart. relief? <laughs> well, explain explain to me how, how that makes sense. Because obviously only certain pitchers get saves, but you have Josh Hader two rounds ahead of any other relief pitcher who happens to be, I assume, Liam Hendricks. Yep. They're both really early in your rankings. You would really take Josh Hader over, you know, a good starting pitcher or like Freddie Peralta or I, you know, Springer. I I don't know how you can do that. Because there's nothing known at closer. And I wish you the best of luck trying to fend for yourself with teams uh, 16 to 30 in the closer rankings. I am not going to be the one who winds up doing 2022. 2021's dance with Detroit and Texas and Arizona. But you don't have to. In a 10-team ESPN league, you don't have to do that. I I don't think. I mean, first of all. The championship caliber, you do. You have to do that dance. Do you You think to win a fantasy league, you have to have Josh Hader or Liam Hendricks? No, I don't think you do. But I don't think that you can ignore and deflate their value. They are giving you that level of production to the point of the player rater on this. And I know neither of us likes to lean on steals and saves in the calculation. But Liam Hendricks was the number 10 overall player. And you and I talked about the problems he had last year. Gave up home runs. He was still the number 10 player. Getting those known saves, especially right now with today, with this ranking set today, we don't know anything about a lot of closer positions. That known commodity is really valuable with this kind of swing and miss that Hater brings. If I can get Jordan Romano 10 rounds later, 100 picks later. You won't. You have ranked. You have no chance of that. You have zero chance of getting Romano 100 after where I put Hater. He'll go in the top 100. Jordan Romano is going to go in the top 100? Yep. But So you don't like him because you haven't won 60. Maybe my calculation did deflate them more than I expected. Let's I mean, see. It seems it seems like the very big spread here between your top closers and some really good guys. Manuel Clase, Ryan Presley, Jordan Romano. These are safe, I think, 30 save closers with a lot of strikeouts. They could be every bit as good as Liam Hendricks. And they're like 70, 100 picks later. I, I yeah, think I'm going to tweak. No, no, you're you're right to that point. It's I probably am not giving the tier adjustment to the Presley Romano and Gallegos one. And I should have them in the 120 range. I'll, I'll give uh, you the 120, not, not 100. I think they go what top 120, top 125. Prospects. I don't see any, I, maybe they're there and I'm missing Adley them. Rushman. 
Bobby okay. Witt. Bobby Witt, who I think we're going to get to later in a hash brown, so we'll save that. Mm -hmm. But in a general sense, are you more likely this this coming season to bet on rookies and unproven players, or are you sticking with guys that you know? Mike Moustakis, you know, are you sticking with guys like that, or are you taking a guy who, like, Bobby like Bobby Witt, you have ranked in the 26th round. He's going in the top 100, I bet. But with the information I have today, I think the right move is to assume that he has no great path to an opening day roster spot. Uh, the problem is we we just don't know that answer. With the labor uncertainty and how that's going to change, that is going to have a big play on how those rankings shake out. I'd love to see Bobby Witt in their own opening day. And if he did, I can make it the case he's a near top 10 fantasy shortstop for 2022. Don't you think uh, he's got that kind of ability? I think I think I may rank Bobby Witt near my top 100 right now because I don't think that Kansas City can possibly, from a PR standpoint, keep him out of the major. Okay, maybe two weeks the way Chris Bryant did with the Cubs, but I think Bobby Witt is the leading contender for AL Rookie of the Year. I think he's up right away. I don't think they're worried about the extra year. I think Adley Rushman's up right away, but Bobby Witt's a five-category talent in fantasy, and I can wait on catcher. So to me, Bobby Witt's going in my top 100. I think it's legitimate. Rutschman, I'd be, I think I would be surprised to both in, in the current labor structure, I would be surprised to see them in the opening day line at both players, but I'm with you that they are amazing. Two weeks is, is the same thing to me. It's, it is, you know, and we thought um, it was two weeks with Wander Franco. You we uh, just don't know. We just don't know. And that's all it is. I, 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 and I hate that. I, I, I see I what you're right. saying, but like, all right, you, you're repeating to me that we just don't know. You can't tell me. Jared okay. Kelnick. Jared Kelnick is a better example of this. Well, Jared Kelnick didn't hit, and now Jared Kelnick came up a lot later than we thought. And if, and you you talked him up, and and I was with you on that. And he, from an ESPN standard drafting perspective, you and I went bust on that pick. Well, not because he didn't hit. hit. Nope. No, because I think he didn't get called he didn't up. Hit. If he had hit like Wander Franco, we would have been okay with. He him. was he was up what the sixth week of the season, seventh. I you think Bobby Witt's. You I, can't sustain it for six, seven weeks. If Bobby but, Witt is but, down there six weeks, that pick went bust. But my other argument, okay, is this, okay? You have Mike Trout, number 13, and mm -hmm. I think Bobby Witt is going to play in more games in 2022 than Mike Trout. I do. Okay. And I have every indication that that will happen because of Trout's d lack of durability and Bobby Witt being awesome. I you, think Bobby Witt gets more plate appearances than Mike Trout. You you definitely got the next lunch on on this one on me if uh, Bobby Witt is has greater odds of being in the opening day lineup. Because I'll tell you right now, I'll take Trout and odds a million times over Witt in the opening day 2022 lineup. That's and that's not my what, argument. That's, that's, that's not what my counts argument. here. But, yeah, but, but, for, but Mike Trout's going to play opening day for the Angels because he's not hurt yet. Mike Trout has averaged 120 that, games played over six years. You can't possibly tell me he's going to play more than Bobby Witt. No, I think there's definitely a path by that. I would, I would say, I would say that's pretty darn close for the year. But what matters is he's playing on opening day in our game today. That matters. All right, we will see what happens. Um, that is all that I've got from your rankings. But I'm sure I will think of more as we go on. Let's bring in our friend Kyle Soppy now. He's got trivia and hash browns. And Kyle, weigh in here. You, you heard the argument that we had. People love when we argue. We're friends, but we're we're debating. But basically, the bottom line is, I don't care if Bobby Witt is on the opening day roster. I think he plays more than Mike Trout, but certainly it's not a difference of 16 rounds in the rankings either. So what's going on here? No, I get the general idea here. I think where Tristan's coming from is that 
if you lose the equity of not having like you can't stash him on injured reserve or anything like yeah. that for the weeks that he's not up. So he's occupying a he's a blank spot. Is it like, not a blank spot? He played thirty six games. Hurt, you can you can't roster. You can't roster Andrew Heaney, and not only that, you can't uh, you can't roster the pitcher who is better than Andrew Heaney, who has the same style of play. You have locked, you've tied your hands. You are in, unable to do that, and that's what Bobby Witt does when he's sitting on the, one of those three bench spots. Right, I'm closer to Tristan than Eric on this. I get, I think I'm more in on Trout than either one of you, but I I get where you're going with the one with the injuries for Trout, but with the Witt service time i think that gets overlooked i think it gets overlooked with free agents in general it's like a guy you picked up for the last month and a half isn't as valuable as a guy you picked up for six months even if he's better for on a per game basis like the guy that gave you six months of decent production that holds value over time so i think that's the argument here and if wit is up in two weeks i like what you're saying if wit isn't up for two months it's a, it's a very different conversation Eric's point of wit is dead on. He's an amazing player. I'll tell you this, though. Let's say they both play 120 games exactly. If they play 120 games and wits all come at the end, what'd you do with them for the first 40? And if Trout's 120 come, you know, every other Maybe. month, yeah. he was on the injured list on your team, all yeah, those others. I, I'm patient. If I draft Bobby Witt, I'm going to wait it out. All right? Yeah. So let me ask you this one. You've got the actual Kansas City shortstop, Mondesi, number 102. Do you really think Monty is going to have a better 2022 season than Bobby Witt? As things stand today with what we know, I, I, God, you're, you're cornering me into a Monty. You know, I don't like him. He probably will. He probably will. (laughs) You know, in his defense, I like saying the beginning of the off season that they are focusing on getting him straightened out, working on conditioning, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And when, when spring training opens, I'm going to check back on that and expect to see great things, but at least that's what I like to see going into an off season. No. And, and anybody who says that Bobby Witt's going to fail because Jared Kelnick did you're missing the point. Every player is different. That's not why that's going to happen. If Bobby Witt fails, it's because he fails. It's not because of Kelnick. It's not the result. I don't, and frankly, I don't care about the result. You can't predict that. Some of these guys hit and some of them don't. It's about when they got there to me. Uh, Let's get to some trivia. Kyle, what you got? Yeah. Tristan's got three players outside of his top 50 overall. that were part of the 2050 club last season. That's 20 steals, 50 extra base hits. Tristan has three of them outside his top 50 entering 2022. And I want you to name those three for me after hash browns. Did 10 guys even steal 20 bases? I know. It's a small year. list to begin with. So. <laughs> yeah, and guys, most of them are in the first two rounds. I know well, one. All right, all right. We'll get to that after. We'll start with the Bobby Witt question that you'd mentioned earlier. Bobby was asking a question about Witt versus Jose Miranda. Who would Who's the better stash in a 5x5 five five keeper league? And nobody's talking about Miranda. Yeah. You, have you seen like any discussion here about these? The Twins third base prospect had a great year. And, you know, I don't know if he's going to make the team out of spring training. Um, they've got a third baseman. He can't stay healthy. But I don't see him ranked high up. Like I go to sites where I'm looking at prospects and rankings for fantasy purposes. And, you know, it's always Bobby Witt, Julio Rodriguez are the top guys. Torkelson's always there. Rushman, Josh Young, Texas. I don't even see Miranda. What do you know about Miranda? Is he a guy that, that we should even consider? In draft? 
Yeah, pretty amazing year. He tore it up in double A and in triple A, batted over 340 in both levels. The thing that I like about him, he's a line drive hitting machine. So this is a high floor batting average guy. And you know, I typically prefer those prospects when they reach the majors. But the issue is, I don't know whether there's really great power coming at any point in his future. I, and I think that's that's likely why he's never gotten the huge prospect buzz, the high prospect list rankings in the past. And that's why people are sleeping on him. But I'm glad the name's out here. He's he, he has a pretty good opportunity for next year. I think he could carve his way into the into the lineup. Be Let a me ask of the you candidate. this as a follow up. How many uh, you, you mentioned who you ranked? You ranked Witt. You ranked Rushman. Are they the only two you ranked? Torkelson, you don't think he's going to come up? Um, Josh Young? It, I think Young might be Texas's third baseman to start the season. Mm-hmm. Are there anybody that you would draft? Tristan Casas, anyone else? Torkelson did make my ranks. I'm trying to remember if there were any others off the top of my head. Um, but like, would you, in an ESPN, ESPN's 10 team leagues are shallow. Okay. Let's face it. Yeah. Do you even bother with any rookies at all? Yeah. See, one of the one of the biggest problems with that is that that's a big the big difference in the answer today versus the answer in March. Once we see how the rosters have shaken out and how we see the, how these players are performing during spring training, to me, there's a major difference between those two. And I just don't, unless I think they're going to play on opening day. I just I I don't lean too heavily into prospects in November. I, I'm, no, I actually no, I did for some fair, and, and I'm usually that guy too. I, I think Rushman and Witter special, but I thought that a year ago about Kelnick and he wasn't, but I still think he will be, you know, give me your, give me your line on Kelnick for 2022. Kelnick, we I, should not run away from this guy. Yeah. I think Kelnick, I had in that 275, 280 batting average range and he would get in that ballpark of the 2020 club. Uh, I leaned a little bit more heavily towards power. I think he could get to 25 home runs. So you have him as the number 40 outfielder, 135 overall. So uh, you behind Andrew Vaughn, Michael Brantley hitting machine, Reese Hoskins, Gold Glover, Nelson. You have Nelson Cruz at 127? Did I miss something? My goodness. Nelson Cruz at 127? Didn't he go like in the fifth round last year? You're giving up? That's giving up on Nelson Cruz. I understand you're saying, mm-hmm. I'm not going to get him, quote, unquote. I'm not going to get him in drafts. Mm-hmm. But how do you rank Nelson Cruz in the 13th round, man? It's not really giving up on him. I, I look. I still think he's an amazing player. I mean, that's there's a guy by the way who's making his you know sneaky Hall of Fame push. He's looking like he just starting to get him. He did during the postseason. Even you know watching him during the postseason, he he's looking like a guy who's starting to show his age. I don't think well, he's hitting for the. I'm not arguing against year. that point, <laughs> but but that's what matters I, for the rank. Um, there's no he chance. There's no chance at a qualification anywhere else. That also 32 home runs like for you to rank Michael Conforto ahead of Nelson Cruz when Cruz hit 32 home runs. Yes. Struggled in the second half. Mm -hmm. I don't see that. I see a top hundred player still, even at age 41, but okay. Okay. But no stolen bases. You've said declining batting average. If he's aging, there's the risk. The home runs come down. Where's he playing? Where's he playing is also going to have a big say in this. I mean, I, I Conforto. I frank I, he, I don't think he's going back to Tampa, but if he did, I hate that. <laughs> all right, all right. No, no, like you're right. We need to see where he ends up, but I think that ranking is a repudiation yeah, of his skills swing, to some degree. It could swing. I probably would spots. rank. Look, I'm not. I'm not ranking Nelson Cruz ahead of Jordan Alvarez anymore. That's ridiculous. But 75, I may put Cruz there. 
when I get around to in the right know, spot, I could, I could absolutely see seventy-five in, in the right spot. Alvarez to me is like number thirty, yeah. but I would probably have Cruz. JD Martinez would probably be in between him. He's back of Boston, maybe fifty for JD Martinez. And Feels interestingly right. enough, you mentioned two outfielders, not DHs. Yeah. Right. I, we think of them that way, but they are outfield eligible now. But you yeah. know what? That doesn't matter to me. If I think Nelson Cruz is going to hit 30 home runs and Conforto is going to hit 22, I will take Cruz over Conforto. I don't care sure. if he's only eligible in the, in, at DH. Sure. I don't mind and, that. And you shouldn't. I'm not trying to make the case you should avoid him just because he's DH only, but he's locked into that Is there spot. anyone else relevant that is DH only? Because you just mentioned Alvarez and J.D. Martinez are not, and I should have looked for the myself. The DH only. I mean, he's a starting pitcher, Shohei Otani. We know that. Fran Mel Reyes, Gavin Sheets, Mitch Moreland. And I believe that's all that's the it. relevant. So ones. your your DHs are Otani, Reyes, and Cruz, and and you know nobody else is ranked. Fran Mill ninety two. Next closest. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Let's move on. Caleb wants you to pick which statistical categories are your favorite to play in a fantasy league with. Eric will go hitting for you, pitching for Tristan. Give me your two favorite non-standard ones. Obviously, everybody's got what ESPN offers, but I mean, you hear us complaining about steals you hear us complaining about saves all the time so if you had to pick two kind of non-standard categories eric what do you got for hitting well i mean on base percentage is yeah. life it yeah. matters is life lot. wow with him on that level. no football doubt. is life um on base neither of you have seen that show no, i'm but. quite certain um football is life on base percentage is, is the most important thing if you get on base you're going to score runs obviously everybody now wants to hit home runs and that's all they care about but getting on base to me, on-base percentage is far more important than batting average. I would swap those two out. I'm trying to think of another one that really matters to me. I, I thought the first thought when, when you said stolen bases, stolen base differential yeah. is, is something that, that matters to me because yeah. if you're going to get caught stealing a lot, like in real life, the reason why managers don't want their players running is because they get caught stealing too much. Ricky Henderson got caught you know, probably 30 times a year he had 100 or Vince Coleman. Chase Utley could have stolen 40 bases in a season. He was more in tune with his percentage. Chase only had like an 89% stolen base rate on Tim Raines. Now volume base stealers are different, but I, when you get caught stealing, that should count against you in some way. And in fantasy, it doesn't, there's no harm at all. Montessi could steal 60 bases and get caught 30 times and it would not affect his value at all, but it should, it should be a net steals. So if you're going to be, I think I like net steals, but I don't think anybody else would. (laughs) I like net steals. As a matter sure. of fact, in the infamous six by six setup, I've argued that net steals should replace it, and I, I would have preferred to see stolen base percentage, the, the stolen base uh, success percentage rate, similar. But that's not supported in the game, and it probably would be harder to track in live scoring anyway for people, and they want simplicity. Can we do anything with like the Statcast stuff, like length of home run? Can that be like? Like John Carlos Stanton might be a first round pick if you if you say length of home run, we know how far these home runs are going. Can we can we can that be a fantasy I, number? Yeah, like like the other thing too is velocity. If, could velocity be a number? If a we want to go sabermetric and credit players for the skills they're showing as opposed to the luck numbers like wins, barrels. Yeah. But the issue then becomes the stat sharing and who owns who has rights to what and across scoring. Them. I think a lot of fantasy, like you like seeing production. Like you see a home run, you know you got one for your team. Or in football, you see yards, you see a touchdown. Like if you see a barrel, you're like, was that really a 
barrel. Yeah, or I, don't, like, I, don't think it's, I don't think that's what it is. I think it's that people need to be able to easily follow it in their live scoring. Fantasy managers care about nothing more than following their live scoring. I, uh, yeah, I guess so. I mean, over six months, but I, 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 I like seeing different things here because yeah. RB, like how about so. men, men on base? Like there's, there's all these other things that, that matter in real baseball and fantasy. They don't, uh, I'd like to see that come to fruition. Well, you, you what, let's hear your, your pitching ones. So <laughs> I always make the case for the A number one for pitching is innings pitched. Innings pitched, innings pitched, and then also innings pitched. It's the most underrated fantasy category out there. Uh, and people say, oh, yeah, the guys are there 240 and aren't very good. Well, that was 2000. It's 2021. And if you've been paying attention to this postseason, you don't throw pitchers who are bad out there unless you think they're going to get outs, which is what innings pitched are. They're outs. That's exactly what they have to do. So that's A number one for me. And the second one is K per nine. I still love K per nine. I would oh. rather have K percentage. Yes. But why didn't you say that? Because why? it is not supported by most scoring systems. But it like, will be. It w- Will it? Well, why wouldn't it be? Like K percentage, I can find it easily right I'm now. I'm not a programmer of gaming. so why? Tell me why. Give me your 30-second spiel. Why is strikeout percentage better and more valuable and more telling? than K per nine. Because K percentage goes off the number of batters faced as opposed to the number of outs you got. So a pitcher could go ahead and give up a whole bunch of junk to everybody else when he doesn't get a strikeout and get strikeouts. And then his K per nine is amazing. Uh, I'm trying to think of a good example. Heaney was top 10 in K percentage, wasn't he? Among starting pitchers? I believe he was, yeah. I'm, who was we, we? You and I had talked about a pitcher. He was, he was Mr. Walk Homer and strikeout guy, and his K per nine was amazing. But if you looked at K percentage, it wasn't so much. Uh, so it's an innings eater. No, it was a the three two outcomes pitcher. It was a total three two outcomes type pitcher. It was a few years ago. It wasn't a, a recent. Oh, all right. So. But yeah, oh, I mean, it's all the time. You want you want, look. You want pitchers to maximize the number of strikeouts they get based on the number of batters they face, not the number of outs they recorded. All right, outs Fair are a enough. successful outcome. Yeah, can, we get rid of, can we yeah. can we get rid of wins? Wins is a terrible category. Yes. It makes me angry half all the time. Look, there's a there's a 70 year old man in the press box who decides that the eighth inning pitcher got a win today. Giovanni Gallegos. I don't understand how that's still happening in 2021. Uh, and I don't understand. Here's another thing. And you say, all right, a guy goes four and two thirds innings of shutout baseball. Yeah, and then one guy it. comes in yeah. to get the last out of the fifth. And that guy gets the win because the win rule is yeah. ridiculously dumb. Why is that it was the innings? score? That was the score. That was not the five inning rule. That was the official score who did that. Okay, but he couldn't, by rule, give it to nope. the guy who threw four and two-third right. shutout innings. That the was, was terrible. Yes, you're right, yeah. By that rule, guy should be just as eligible for a win as the guy who throws one pitch in relief and gets the win. Amen. I don't like that at all. Amen. So just change the way we look at wins. Wins can still matter, but you can't tell me that a guy who goes four and two-thirds and strikes out literally every hitter without giving up a base runner can't get a win. But but here yep. you got Ryan Sheriff coming in for a one-out, one-pitch win for the Phillies. Yep is ridiculous. I fully agree with you. And as a matter of fact, I, I, I would rather we, because I, in the absence of an alternate stat to wins in fantasy, I would rather we change the win designation that the official scorer has to hand it to the most effective pitcher of the game, regardless of whether he started, finished, pitched in the middle, whatever. 
And that would have been the four and two thirds perfect no hit inning. This guy you're talking about. I don't want that subjectivity and no yeah. other sports. You need person, we have it that. needs a form. It needs to have a formula to help guide them. But or like, for another football, that- we know who scores the touchdowns, who catches the ball, who throws the ball in basketball is all defined. Okay. Mm-hmm. Rebounds, everything in baseball. Some guy just decides that yeah. this guy gets a win. Yeah. No. Assists in basketball can be a little goofy sometimes, but yeah, no, I get what you're saying. You need some concrete. I know I need to know it when I see it, but you say, get rid of it. What to replace it with. Yeah, if you have to do it tomorrow, well, you're starting is, league tomorrow. Innings is a better value than wins. I mean, I, I can't stand looking at like DeGrom not winning double digit games because his bullpen and his defense stinks. Whereas, you know, he's pitching when he was good. I wins for innings should re- replace wins. I, think. I I agree with you. As a guy who made a big case for quality starts many times, I'm I like K that. percentage. I think saves plus holds is better than saves alone. Holds is flawed just like saves is, but saves is so flawed and so ridiculous. I don't agree it's a better measure of success, but it's better than having a guy lose the job and be useless. I don't Exactly. You're, because you're the right best guy doesn't have to close. Right. It's a, it's a good safety net. But Kevin I don't Wings think Holt... be the second best relief pitcher in baseball in 22, 20, 2022 and get no saves. Right. That and and from that aspect, absolutely right. But the problem is that the holds thing does designate certain. So make it so separate K percentage for starters and closers, starters and relievers. Can you make it? Can somebody separate so it's just relief pitcher outings? You get yeah. their. Josh Hader struck out what forty eight percent of the batters. I, that might be a conversation that fantasy managers need to have, or, or game systems, or whatever, have to have about splitting up relievers and starters. That that yeah, might re- need relief to be innings done. and relief strikeouts. I'd like to see that. Of course, it's going to be very difficult if we do. If we made it three different things instead of hitting pitching, it's hitting starting pitching, relief pitching. Relief pitching could be pretty tough for the analysis, considering how volatile it is. You know Maybe, but didn't relievers pitch like almost half the innings in the playoffs? Right, but but I'm talking from a, from a predictive standpoint. Oh yeah, it'd be crazy. You wouldn't want to put too much emphasis on relief pitchers. Agree there. Last question here, one word answer from both of you. Then we'll get back to trivia. Joe, which top twenty ish starting pitcher are you fading for the most part heading into 2022? Oh boy, let's look at his rankings. Um, well, he already said the Grom, and I, I kind of agree. You, yeah, mentioned the Grom earlier. Flaherty worry me, kinda, kinda. And you know, I love that guy. He's got love Flaherty. I he's think got Tristan, amazing stuff. I see Tristan dancing every time I see Jack Flaherty pitch. Uh, I'm surprised at all Max Fried in your top twenty. Rodon would be on my list, but he's not in the top twenty. Um, I think Max Fried is a really good pitcher who doesn't have that elite Cy Young stuff. He's right. Man, I don't know if I could take Aaron Nola over Max Fried. And I watch both those guys every time they come out there. And I know Nola was a little unlucky this year with the home runs and no defense behind him, but. He's a machine. That's all it is. He's durable. He is durable. I'll give you that. I guess DeGrom is. You're going to hate. You're going to hate the other fade, I'd tell you. Uh, let me see if I can guess it. <laughs> I'm a little You're scared say by the news. I'm a little scary by the news over the past month. News over the past month. Yeah. Who? Lance Lynn. What was the news? 
that he's not. Tell me, Huey Lewis, what was the news? <laughs> Let me get you the exact Kyle's thing. Like, who is that? I so mean. the yeah, so it's a right knee issue, and he's in a rest period right now. So in other words, he's oh. not in a normal off-season plan. It's nothing to panic about yet, but when we're thinking about a guy who's top ten capable and he started the off-season a little behind, very much on my watch list. All right, and I want to see where Gosman lands. Yeah, and Robbie Ray to some degree, but okay. Yeah. All right. My voice is starting to hurt. What uh, What else do we have to do with the show? I've been yelling a lot on this show. I've had five weeks to yell at my kids. Because I love your energy. Show. I do. I do. I brought the energy. I'm very tired, though. I'm old now. Okay. You can take a nap. I promise. <laughs> Just a need nice a good cheesesteak, man. That's take all. a nap, or do I have to rank uh, Nick Chubb? All right. All right so what's the, what was the trivia question? Nick Chubb's ranking will be pretty easy this week. We've got three players outside of Tristan's top 50 overall that had 20 steals and 50 extra base hits last season. Can you name any or all of them? Tristan, we'll start with you. Who? Well, he can. He did the rankings. Good Lord. He doesn't know all the 2050 players. Well, one's obvious. I I have, yeah. Well, one's obvious, depending if you you know which ones are outside my top 50. I I mean, I have have the Whit Merrifields there. Whit Merrifield. How do you not have him in your top 50? He's 55. Come on. He's, He's the second in the league in steals. A safe batting average, double-digit home runs, second-base eligibility. I, I'm i going to look. You really don't have him in your top 50. I'm not saying I love him. I'll take him around two. And that's but, all it is. That's all it is. I just don't love him. That's, you know, 55. He what's, I, tell me, 55. he's not 55. And you know what? This thing about, oh, guys, when they turn 30, can't steal bases anymore. Well, Witt and Sterling Marte led the majors in those categories. Yeah, that's, that category. that's what I struggle with is, is – the weight to grant stolen bases. I don't entirely I, know. He was 40 out of 44 on steals. Don't tell me he can't steal bases. I'll worry about as an overall great player. Okay. He had a seven twelve OPS. Actually, so that's not great. In, okay? in fairness, get on base. I should amend it to about 42 to 45. Cause I'm looking at it. I'm he's getting a negative outfield penalty because he's dual eligible. This is what I, I told you about this. There's, if, if a player has a dual eligibility, I weight them for both positions. He's taking a little bit too negative of, of an I, I probably have him like 10 spots, 15 spots ahead than you do. He's safe. He's durable. He never misses a game. There's a value yeah. in that. In real life, he doesn't get on base, but he'll score runs because some, some team like the Phillies will bat him lead off. Um, there's mm-hmm. an obvious one here. It's Tommy Edmond, who nobody could possibly rank in the top 50. No, but I love the good. discussion. Speed and power. I mean, it's valuable. Yes, Tommy Edmond. He ran yeah. and he's versatile. 30 wow. steals. I mean, look and see where you have Tommy Edmund. You have him 156. My goodness. Now, I'm not a Tommy, Tommy Edmund guy. Is Tommy, Tommy Edmund, Edmund really that much worse than Whit Merrifield, man? Is he, yes. He's 100 spots worse? Whit Merrifield is a superior player to Tommy Edmund. I wouldn't hesitate to say that. But Edmund's quick, and he did do some very – he's good defensively, and he did some do some very good things. And you know I say – that will fuel play. They had almost the same OPS, man. The same home runs. The same runs scored. I oh, do. I don't know. I do not think of Edmund with the bat the way that I do with Merrifield. Merrifield is superior hitter. I think Merrifield is had an OPS that was 15 points higher. He is not superior I don't, to Tommy Edmund. I'm not I saying Tommy Edmund OPS deserves to be ranked. is not the measure for these types of players. OPS is a poor measure for these guys. So how do you rank – so how do you measure they're, Whit Merrifield if he he's not a good hitter? He's they're not batting, a good hitter. They're batting average guys. They're not run-produced types. They're not. They're not run-producers. 
He batted 15 points higher, 277 to 262. There's not much of a difference between these guys, and one of them six years younger. Oh, no. There's no way that's 100 point, 100, 100 player ranking difference between these two guys when they they were the same on the player rater. What's your difference, Eric? Uh, Edmund has to be in my top 100. I'm not saying he's a good player, but he has to be in the top 100. He stole 30 bases, and he scored 90 runs, and he's going to do it again. So you're talking 45? Sure. So Merrifield probably 40, and, and Merrifield in the 40s, and probably Edmund in the 90s, but not 100 spots. No, I can't do that. That's I'm not saying either of them are good hitters, because neither of them are good hitters in real life. A I team foolishly bats them leadoff because they're fast. That's the other fair they question. They eighth. That's the fair question with Edmund is that I, and I've asked this, is he a true eight hitter? Because if he winds up an eight hitter, that's going to significantly. Oh, absolutely. But those teams aren't going to do that. Okay. That the fact is one out of three seventeen on base. Are you uh, sure about that? The Cardinals just changed their manager. Are you sure about that? I'm sure that whoever the Cardinals bring in his manager is not smart enough to realize that Tommy Edmond should not be batting leadoff. I don't. I don't think that. I think most managers right now, like we used to think we that don't know what was a guy. Is. We Joe don't Bad know what he... has to have a closer, has to have a leadoff hitter, does all these dumb things. I don't. We, I don't know anything about the new Cardinals manager. We don't. Yeah, you know, we don't know what Oliver Marmol is. But I mean, Tommy Edmond, bottom ten percentile in walk rate, bottom ten in barrel. No, wait, he's fifteen percentile in barrel barrel rate. That's I agree with barrel. you. He shouldn't be batting leadoff, but he and Whit Merrifield are going to bat leadoff. So I, I, I just think the difference so sure. between them is should be a lot smaller in fantasy. Neither are good hitters. But okay, so we got two of them. Whit mm-hmm. and um and Edmond are two of the guys. So who else had twenty steals? I mean, I I throw the name that I, I I want just as a guess. I don't think he got the twenty steals, but he stole a lot. Tyler O'Neill. He did not. That's only nineteen guys had twenty stolen bases last year. Yeah, kind of a crazy. I'm number. thinking of his tough part. I think O'Neal his former teammate. I, I, well, I'm thinking of guys who had a lot of doubles. I I, I think it's the Rosarena. Yeah. Like, oh, nice you said, work. You said you were rusty and you're pulling off yeah. trivia answers like it's nothing. Because he he stole twenty. He was nice a twenty twenty guy. I remember when he did. Yeah. Yeah, and he hit doubles. So I twenty steals, fifty five extra base hits. Good player. Yeah. Why is he not? It's. I don't think he'd be in my top. Man, why? Why don't we rank him in our top fifty? He's only going to get better, right? Or why? Like, what's the reasoning behind not? Where do you have him? It's this is an awkward comp. I'm not trying to go to the exact style of play, but he is Mike Cameron. He is a very oh. very good. Oh, that's a that's actually a friendly comp. Mike Cameron batted. 230 half again I, I don't not again it's not a perfect comp to the style of play not quite to the level of defensive Cameron not as low a batting average but the impact the overall impact the war year over year very good player who I don't think is ever the star in any year man I look at a Rosarena as like Luis Robert light right I mean it's a 2020 guy already young gonna bat at the top near the top of a lineup I don't. I don't know how I could take Merrifield over a Rosarena. Like obviously, I won stolen bases, and he he stole twice mm-hmm. as many. Yeah, but I think a Rosarena makes my top fifty. I'm I'm curious why he doesn't make yours. But I that, just that's I a- don't think he gets better. I think this is what he is, and I think this is what I'm he okay with that. For. <laughs> like he's Kyle Tucker light. Then he's a borderline top fifty player. All right. If, if this you is all he is, he's a all right. borderline top fifty player. He's a good player. Um, that is it. What a long show in our return to the fantasy focus baseball podcast. The plan, uh, I believe if there is a plan is to do another show in three, four weeks, something like that. Obviously 
real news will dictate whether there's a need for a baseball podcast in fantasy. And we'll see if, you know, we're not taking vacations during football season. I can tell you that. So we'll be around. So maybe after right after Thanksgiving, we'll try to do another show. We'll see if there's a demand. Tell us on Twitter what you want. Um, but, um, you know, good to see you. We're on Squadcast here. Good to see Kyle and, and Tristan. It's been a long time. I've to talked to either of you guys. Fantasy Focus Baseball presented by LinkedIn Jobs. Tristan, do you have any final thoughts? Oh, please. Can we have some free agents signed this month for the first time in God knows how long? <laughs> I want some baseball news. It'd be nice. And we will be writing about the signings as they happen on our fantasy baseball page, I believe. Yep. All right. That is all for today. There's an awesome fantasy focused football podcast that runs Monday through Friday. Kyle's a part of that with all of our friends and colleagues. So check that out as well. And uh, I've lost my voice. I'm Eric Carroll for Tristan Cockcroft and Kyle Soppy and the whole gang. Have an awesome November. Happy Thanksgiving. Be awesome.